Welcome nerds, now bracing for an entertainment incursion. Rolling Rockabilly Track Gearing you up with the latest in horror, video games, movies, and TV. Now calling in a favor from Batman. Naturally so. Nerds, this will be your finest hour. Welcome to the Amazing Nerd Show. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. On this week's podcast, we're reviewing the latest episode of The Last of Us, and we're breaking down the brand new trailer for The Flash. Plus, we're also talking this week's episode of AEW Dynamite. And if today's episode isn't enough for you, don't forget you can get even more Amazing Nerd Show content on Patreon by subscribing to our $5 tier. Doing so, you'll gain access to our Best and Worst of the Week show. Though, if you'd like even more than that, additional bonus podcasts will be available for our $10 tier that includes includes all of the other tiers benefits as well. You can find our Patreon link in our show notes or simply type in patreon.com slash amazing nerd show. All right, before we move on, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review, and if you DM us a screenshot, we will not only read it on the show, but we'll send you some Amazing Nerd Show swag. Also, don't forget to follow us at Amazing Nerd Show. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Let's get into the news. Every week, we collect the biggest headlines and rumors of nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters. We're mere podcasters with opinions. Warning, potential spoilers for upcoming shows and movies ahead. Check timestamps to avoid spoilers. You have been warned. All right, up first, we got a big rumor that a major dead Avenger is set to return to the MCU. Warning, possible spoilers ahead. So this rumor comes in from the Cosmic Circus about the possible incursion event that will be taking place in an upcoming Avengers film. Their sources claim that it will be the MCU 616 universe colliding with the universe 838 that we saw in Multiverse of Madness, uh, you know, when we met up with the Illuminati. Additionally, it is believed that we could see a variant of Iron Man from this universe that for some reason might not be too happy with our 616 heroes. Currently, it's unclear if they would bring back Robert Downey Jr. or just recast him for you know his variant. Many people had you know speculated Tom Cruise and many other actors could have taken up the role of Iron Man in the Multiverse of Madness film, but you know that didn't come to light. As far as the incursion event itself, I think it makes sense for them to you know use the already established universes, but who knows what else we may see from the multiverse in the next two phases. So I think the fear everyone had with, you know, Robert Downey Jr. returning as Tony Stark in the MCU was that it was going to, like, cheapen his sacrifice in Endgame. But as long as they're not using this as a cheat code to bring back, you know, you know, Robert Downey Jr. into the MCU proper, and this is just him getting to come back and have some fun playing a villain— because uh, you know superior iron man is just the worst um i'm i'm totally fine with it exactly i mean if it's a different portrayal of the character i have no issue with him coming back now if he now if you said like that was their way of shoehorning him back into the universe that would be a little annoying <laughs> yeah that would definitely you know cheapen you know uh-huh. his death you know, um, so I, I, I don't want to see that at all, but it doesn't sound like that's what this is here. And now the rumor says that it's supposed to be in an upcoming Avengers film. Yes, they said in an upcoming Avengers film, they weren't exact if it was going to be King Dynasty or um, Secret Wars. In my mind, in like Secret Wars, there's going to be like multiple universes at play. So if Tony is part of that movie, I don't feel like it's going to be the main storyline, if that makes any sense. Um, mm-hmm. I hope that we're not getting kind of a scaled back version 
of Secret Wars because, you know, that would just be a shame. But I guess I am a little concerned because I was kind of disappointed with the scope of Multiverse of Madness. And I don't know if that was just, you know, me, you know, having bloated expectations, um, you know, especially after all the different rumors we heard. It just felt like everything everywhere all at once did a better job with the multiverse than Marvel did, you know, somehow. You know, personally, I'm like, I don't know why. When I look at this current slate without them having announced anything new, part of me wants to feel I, I feel like there it's going to be a more scaled down story than we're expecting for Secret Wars. And I don't know if it's I, I don't know if they can capture all that in one film for sure. Uh, how big of a story that was at the time, uh, you know, just because, you know, Fantastic Four's first film is right before that as well. I don't feel like there's going to be enough time to establish a lot of the characters I would expect to see multi you know, universes represented uh -huh. at least and not have the war take place just between two Earths. So because I mean, in Hickman's incursion event, you know, that, you know, that leads up to Secret Wars, we're seeing multiple different planets, different versions of Earth, you yeah. know, colliding. So um, and that leads to the Secret Wars event. Um, I don't know. But there's also rumors out there that Secret Wars could be possibly more than just one film. Um, I always took that as like King Dynasty was part of Secret Wars, but maybe that's not the case. Yeah, and I just feel like it would make sense to have a, another Doctor Strange film pop up. Just, I, I don't know. Or part of his story maybe is playing out during King Dynasty. Yeah, I mean, that because that was the original question we had at the end of Multiverse of Bandis was like, when is this storyline going mm -hmm. to see its conclusion because yeah we see him get like rushed off to deal with an incursion event i was like okay well is this going to be like the start of the next avengers film or is the secret wars film going to be the aftermath of the events that take place off screen um you know with dr strange you know you know trying to stop this incursion um so i don't know i mean marvel's the king of like end credit scenes so they could uh -huh. slowly kind of tell that story using other films in end credit scenes if they really wanted to uh so i guess we'll have to just wait and see i mean that's pretty much how we found out that like thanos was coming we kind of saw that like story unfolds you know one end mm -hmm. credit scene at a time you know before he actually showed up i guess we do have plenty of time to flesh this out it comes out may 1st 2026 we got three years exactly exactly <laughs> we're just starting the new phase <laughs> all right up next we've got a captain america new world order update marvel studios head kevin feige in an interview with entertainment weekly gave an update on what we could expect from harrison ford as general thunderbolt ross or should i now say commander-in-chief thaddeus ross as feige proclaimed ross is officially the president of the united states going into Captain America New World Order. This is of course not Harrison Ford's first time playing a president as Feige brought up, you know, his film Air Force One, along with mentioning, you know, clear and present danger as a good parallel for what Sam Wilson may be facing in New World Order. All I know is he better say, get off my plane before he hulks up. That's all, that's all I want. <laughs> that would be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> it's definitely an interesting like wrinkle in Ross's, you know, storyline that, that he's risen to such heights power wise. Um, 
I'm guessing he's probably the catalyst for everything that's going to happen in, you know, the Thunderbolt story then. It makes sense that as president that he would want his own, like, government-sanctioned superpowered team at his disposal, especially knowing how he feels about, like, you know, these superheroes running amok. But now knowing like how much of a big role he's seemingly going to play in, you know, Captain America 4 um, and perhaps Thunderbolts, I've got to guess that, you know, the Incredible Hulk is going to be making an appearance of some sort. Uh, it only makes sense. And I know it's been kind of rumored, um, especially with like the leader's um, involvement in, you know, Cap 4, but You've got to see Bruce Banner here, right? I'm sure he'll be floating in with his son somewhere. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you think they'll have matching haircuts? Oh, yeah. Got it, right? <laughs> if that's true, then he's got heat with me also. So. <laughs> I'll be cheering Thunderbolt on. So before we move on, I would be remiss not to mention all the little nuggets of information that came out of uh, Faki's interview with entertainment weekly first and foremost they do have a story for spider-man 4 hashed out and writers are currently like putting pen to paper so um they have an idea of where they're headed um you know for the next spider-man film also he did confirm i think for the 50th time that you know the upcoming deadpool film will indeed be rated R. And then he also kind of confirmed all the rumors that we've been hearing of late when it comes to the MCU series on Disney+. Plus. It looks like they're going to be kind of like scaling back the release schedule that we're going to start to see fewer series per year compared to what we got schedule-wise the first couple years, you know, from the MCU shows, which, you know, I mean, we were getting a show almost like every other month uh, from Marvel. So that that's not necessarily a bad thing, uh, you know, because once again, like the big rumor was that they're going to be stressing quality over quantity. Um, and not that I've had any, you know, huge issues with the MCU series, but I'm fine with them kind of like taking their time and fleshing out these stories and, you know, shoring up the CGI. I think that's the biggest area of improvement that will be helped by, you know, a leaner schedule, if you will. I believe in the interview, he kind of phrased it as better pacing in between each of these series and films. Well, I think that this is all bullshit and that they should just hire more people so that I can keep getting as much content as possible <laughs> per year. All right. I have a show uh, to make here, Damon. Truly selfish of you, Christian. <laughs> I don't care about Disney's bottom line. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, speaking of the upcoming Thunderbolts film, we have a casting rumor. Stranger Things and the Whale star Sadie Sink could be getting an MCU role, according to industry insider Daniel Richmond. Richmond claimed that Sadie is one of the MCU's top younger prospects, but was unable to disclose for what role. Speculation and rumors online have pointed at Sink possibly playing Songbird and Thunderbolts, but she's come out herself stating that this was untrue, along with her schedule not having much room for her to be ready for the Thunderbolts at this time. Yeah, but I mean, she wouldn't be the first, you know, Marvel actor to lie. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel like if you're doing a Thunderbolts film, you definitely have to have Songbird um, involved. Uh, to me, she's one of the faces of the team. Um, 
Sadie Sink is a wonderful actress, so I'm all for her, you know, taking on that role. It's weird, though. Like, in my mind, she's, like, way too young, even though she's probably in her early 20s at this point. Uh Uh-huh. You know? But in my head, I'm just picturing, like, that little girl trick-or-treating with the gang in Stranger Things. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. But, yeah. No, I I could see her, you know, being Songbird and absolutely killing it, if that is who she's playing. I don't know. She was one of my, like, top choices for uh, Jean Grey, so I'm, you know, a little sad that she wouldn't be playing, like, an X-Men role. She would be a good Jean Grey. Um, I never put that together. Um, Kitty Pride. I know, mm-hmm. you know, she's got red hair, so everyone's going to cast her as Jean, but <laughs> <laughs> there is hair dye out there. So I, I do feel like she, or you just make yes. Shadow Cat a redhead. It's okay. <laughs> you could have more than two redheads on the team. I, I need more X-Men developments, though. I, I need to see where the mutants are going. I know we're not going to find out. Till maybe well, after Secret uh, Wars. I think we'll get a so. hint at it like during Deadpool 3. So that's coming out before Secret Wars. Uh-huh. But I, I, at the same time, I wouldn't hold my breath. Uh, but speaking of Deadpool 3, uh, we also have some casting news for that movie. Ronald Reynolds this week welcomes another star to his big MCU debut as Deadpool as he announced the casting of Emma Corrin, who is best known for her role on Netflix's The Crown. Though there really isn't much to say about who she could be playing at this time, as not many details are out about the film. Deadpool 3 is slated for November 8th, 2024. So I got a wild theory. Um, Part of the rumor is that she could be possibly playing the main villain of the film film um and knowing that this is going to be you know centered around the multiverse with the tva making an appearance with you know owen wilson's mobius you know being part of the movie um i could see her actually playing the black swan character from um hickman's run she's actually part of the first incursion event in the 616 uh that takes place in new avengers one and she shouldn't be confused with the deadpool villain black swan who's actually a mutant uh so there's actually two black swans but it's you know the hickman black swan not the deadpool black swan if that makes any sense um i could see her being kind of a catalyst to these events um you know she shows up trying to destroy the 616 earth but ends up you know changing course and destroying the earth that she was coming from and then we find out that she's part of this like religious like cult almost who's like serving doom who's trying to stop the beyonders it's a whole thing (laughs) but she is a major player in like you know the incursion event that leads up to hickman's secret wars which we know the mcu's secret wars is kind of based on um so I don't know. I feel like that character, you know, who played such a big part in the comics is going to have a role, you know, you know, in some of these movies. So, you know, maybe this is, you know, her first appearance. I mean, your guess is as good as mine. I have no idea who who any of these characters could be. (laughs) And that's what it is. I mean, it's a guess or a theory Uh um, (laughs) to at least make it sound like an educated guess. There were a couple other quick updates we got this week. One being that after recent statements from Patrick Stewart on being on standby for the MCU, he also remarked in an interview with Entertainment Tonight that himself and Ian McKellen are both not done as Xavier and Magneto. We got plans was the exact quote but it's unclear right now if these plans are legit or not uh but it wouldn't be too surprising for them to reprise their roles 
in the upcoming Deadpool film. And after these past two statements, it almost feels like a guarantee, but we will see what happens. There was also a poster drop this week for the Marvels film with a new release date. Originally slated for July this year, it looks like Disney's Haunted Mansion will be taking their summer date and Marvels is going to be pushed back to November 10th. Hopefully this move doesn't cause a massive domino effect for the MCU as a whole, but I also won't be too surprised after recent you know, news about MCU shakeups and new strategy taking into effect. We also got an update for the Boys franchise. While no fifth season has been greenlit for the boys just yet, showrunner Eric Kripke on Twitter made statements that suggest more boys is on the way after season four. Um, season four is near wrapping on filming, along with the college spinoff of Gen V premiering July this year, it's clear that Amazon Prime is just all in on this franchise, as they should be. Alright Christian, so during the Super Bowl this weekend, we got a brand new trailer for The Flash. If you were to go into the past, you have no idea what the consequences can be. Bruce, I could fix things. You could also destroy everything. This can't be happening. I completely broke the universe. Sorry. We've been waiting for you. I created a world with no metahumans. And now there's no one to defend us. Want some help? All right, Christian. So as we already knew, it looks like we're getting some version of the Flashpoint comic book storyline with this movie. A storyline that actually sees Barry kind of create his own new universe, which would make sense going off of what we've heard from James Gunn recently about this movie, um, you know, kind of like resetting the table for the DC universe. Um, in the trailer, we find out that Barry wants to travel back in time and save his mom, uh, just like, you know, his motives in the Flashpoint comic. Uh, ben Affleck, the DCEU version of Batman, tries to talk about it, warning that he could possibly destroy everything, but that's to no avail. It looks like whatever Barry did caused, you know, some sort of butterfly effect and created a world or a timeline without metahumans or so he thinks. Now, this is a huge problem because General fucking Zod shows up <laughs> and there doesn't seem to be a Superman to take him down you know, and break his neck. Uh-huh. <laughs> so judging from the trailer, and stop me if you think I'm wrong, but it's, it looks to me that Barry or Barry's, as I'm sure he's caused some time paradox since there's two versions of himself running around, um, mm -hmm. goes to enlist help from this universe's version of Batman, which is none other than, you know, my Batman, Michael Keaton. I'm not going to lie, like, you know, when he said the thing that we all wanted him to say, like, I got chills. Uh, I felt like a 12-year-old again, uh, especially, like, watching him in action like we've never seen him, you know, before swooping down and taking motherfuckers out. <laughs> Just awesome. After that amazing moment, um, it looks like Barry and Batman are trying to break out Kara, aka Supergirl, 
who from some brief scenes looks like she's being held captive somewhere. I'm guessing that this is to fight Zod. Also throughout the trailer, we do see brief glimpses of Ben Affleck's Batman in action. There's also another moment um, in the Batcave where you get like a brief glimpse of all of Michael Keaton's like bat suits. And a lot of people are saying that you see like a blue and gray suit amongst his arsenal. Um, so it feels like we're probably going to get an appearance, you know, somehow of the blue and gray suits, which is pretty fucking cool. I don't know how a blue and gray suit would make any practical sense, but I'm absolutely down with it. But speaking of brief glimpses, uh, there's also a moment where it looks like Flash is racing against someone in a black Flash suit. So I'm wondering if this is the evil speedster that we've heard rumors about. Yeah, because there's, I mean... It's it's a quick glimpse compared to anything else that we've seen in these trailers. And I mean, they've been doing a good job of keeping a lot of the info about this pretty much under wraps. Now we know that this character, if it is like the evil speedster that, you know, we've heard rumors about, I, we know that this character isn't supposed to be like Professor Zoom or anything, that this is actually just a variant version mm -hmm. of Barry. So, um, which is kind of disappointing, but at the same time, I understand why they wouldn't want to introduce a brand new character in the fold here when they probably already have a lot of moving parts happening in this film. And you get to save it for, you know, the future Flash, whoever that's going to be. Exactly. But with that being said, my guess is, you know, this evil version of Barry is actually probably the main villain of the movie. Um, it, which would only make sense. But I don't know about you, but I thought this was fantastic um, and got me really excited for this film, especially everything with uh, Kara. Mm -hmm. um, she definitely seemed like a force to reckon with. But there's that moment where she just goes into like beast mode and she's about to like unleash her heat vision where I'm like, holy shit, like I want to see like this version of that character. And who knows, like if this character is a huge hit, like maybe she ends up getting to be like the new DCU Supergirl. And this will play as just kind of an introduction to that character, you know, before she gets her own. Yeah, film. I'm sure that option is still on the table. There's a scene where Bear or our two berries are getting pretty much electrocuted at the same time. Do you think he's giving you know the alternate version or variant version you know his powers since there's no technical metahumans in this universe maybe um that would make sense um because we do hear him say that um you know as he's like kind of narrating the trailer um mm -hmm. and this world's barry seems to be younger so maybe it's before the accident takes place that gives him his powers we do know at some point that this other version of Barry does get a makeshift flash suit that's actually made from one of Bruce's older costumes. I don't know if you've seen those pictures. Yeah, where, where he's like standing yeah, awkwardly in the background. <laughs> it's not really shown in the like trailer, but like with the cowl on and everything, it looks pretty ridiculous. So, <laughs> but with that being said, like I'm still not even a fan of Barry's suit, you know, like our version of Barry's suit. <laughs> it's better than what we got in like the Justice League film, I will say here. Um, but still, I don't know, something's just off about it, especially with the mask. Like there's one uh -huh. moment where he's kind of like looking up and it just looks weird to me. So um, I, I'm not sure why they can't get it right. 
Like, just give me a better version of, you know, what they did in the CW show. You know, a more expensive version. Yes, for sure. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but, like, for, you know, their budget and everything like that, that suit's not bad. Mm-hmm. Did that did that bat pod feel Christian Bale to you? The, the uh, bat bike, I should say? Yes. Yes, 100%. So there are a lot of rumors out there that we're going to actually see multiple versions of Batman. I think maybe the bike is like a subtle nod to Bale's Batman, but I think the rumors all kind of mm-hmm. stem from um, that rumor that we talked about last week where they were talking about like at the end of the film, they kind of reworked like the final like cameo that they do where they kind of they took out Gal Gadot and um Henry Cavill and they're bringing a new like DC character from the past um you know to end the film I guess um I feel like whatever character they bring is going to be a character who's going to stick around I and I think Gunn actually has come out and you know said that the Batman in the DCU is going to be a brand new Batman. Um, it's not going to be some like pre-existing Batman because a lot of people started like bringing up like George Clooney. And, oh, what? Uh, yeah, right. I was like, no, no, no one wants that. He doesn't want that. For no. Out loud, so. He still will give you like a, your money back if you say that you yes. went to go see it in theaters. Yes. yes. No, I, I definitely think they will keep it simple i was just thinking like oh are they putting in little pieces here and there from other batman do you think any chance that the black suit flash that you saw could just be you know the batman you know suit turned oh this earth's berry um that we see in the trailer you know wearing the makeshift uh you know flash suit um that Mm -hmm. did cross my mind um just from what we saw from like the leg it looks a little too like refined and detailed um you know and that's purely judging off of what we saw from the toy leaks (laughs) because that thing just (laughs) looks awful um but uh, you know maybe it's a case of you know this version of barry being the evil version of the flash that he goes up against like maybe he sees what is in store for him in the future and you know he loses it so like maybe we've already been introduced to the main villain and we don't know it possible i just i do remember there being rumors though that was going to be three berries in the end (laughs) yeah that's a lot that's a lot of ezra uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, I mean, I thought this looked tremendous and I'm excited for it. Um, and that's pretty much everything that I got from this trailer. Uh, let us know if we missed anything, though. Uh, you could do that by reaching out to us at Amazing Nerd Show on, you know, all your favorite social media platforms. All right, Christian. So during the Super Bowl, we also did get a brand new Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 trailer. Met a girl, fell in love. That girl died. But then she came back. Came back a total dick. Oh, please. He left out some important information, but that is the gist of it. This time around, they featured more of the Gamora Peter storyline. Gamora is somehow back in the fold with the team. They don't really ex- obviously explain why, nor do we want them to in a trailer. Um, but things aren't necessarily going the way that Peter would like. 
Um, this is a very different Gamora. It also features a little more high evolutionary, um, and they kind of talk about his motives, how he's out to create the perfect society. I don't know about you, I felt like this trailer was a little less like doom and gloom, um, but that's... Oh yeah, it was way yeah. more positive. <laughs> but underneath it all, you could still feel there's some heavy moments on our way, you know, when it comes to the mm. Guardians. Um, so, um, you know, but tons of great action, um, as expected. Uh, we did get a little more Adam Warlock. Uh, he looks amazing. Um, I, I know there were some fans complaining about his look, but I don't know what the fuck they were expecting. I think some people were saying that, like, he's almost too gold. You know, in the comics, he's got more of, like, an orangish tint. I mean, it's like, that. it's real nitpicking kind of shit. <laughs> I mean, he's going to look exactly like the people that created him, obviously. Yes, yes, that's so. true. So, um, <laughs> you know, in the comics, High Evolutionary does have a huge hand in creating Adam Warlock. So I don't know if he's somehow involved. But, like, in Volume 2, it definitely feels like that race that, you know... Uh, guardians come across are behind his creation so i'm wondering if they like choose to kind of like retcon that a little i mean you could always play with the idea of adam warlock getting tampered with by the high evolutionary if he shows up in one of or his maybe planets. he was like somehow like working with them mm -hmm. at the time and that was something we didn't see like behind the scenes yeah, i guess they could have a meetup all in all i mean this looks great um that cry that scream that peter does in the middle of the trailer gets me every time um, I'm like, holy shit, what is he reacting to? And do I even want to know? <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I'm sure we're in store for, you know, a hell of a roller coaster ride, you know, when it comes to, you know, the third installment of Guardians. Uh, and I'm looking forward to it. Also, quickly, there's a, a moment in the trailer. I think it's featured in both trailers where we see someone in white get tackled off like a tower or something like that. But I can't make out who that is exactly. I'm wondering if there's actually another villain in this film. Have you seen anywhere where like someone's identified who that is? No, I mean, I haven't seen anyone even describe. Okay, <laughs> yeah, there's a brief moment where we're, we're seeing one of the Guardians like tackle this person all in white, like off of some kind of tower. So I'm not sure exactly what's going on there. Um, but yeah, I'm sure someone has like, you know, pinpointed exactly who that is, though. The thing is that you never know because they get into so many hijinks just in between, you know, big story yes. moments that it could just be a random character, you know? No, that's absolutely true. There's always some like little fun, like prologue, you know, before, you know, we get into the meat of the story, um, you know, like a little side mission. So maybe that's just a brief glance of something like that. And now for the nerds review of episode five of The Last of Us. Spoilers ahead. You have been warned. You don't understand. But I do. I know why you did what you did. But did you ever stop to think that maybe he was supposed to die? He's just a fucking kid. Well, kids die, Henry. They die all the time. You think the whole world revolves around him? That he's worth everything? So, dude, I can't handle this shit like week after week this series is just an emotional kick in the nuts like what are they fucking trying to do to me oh i can't wait to get to the end uh, of the show something to look forward to uh so 
we get to meet Henry and Sam who, you know, were pointing guns at Ellie and Joel at the end of the last episode. We see through flashbacks that, you know, Henry and his brother have been on the run for a while from Kathleen and her resistance, who even as they retake the city from Fedra in pretty horrific, like, fashion, is still, like, absolutely obsessed with finding Henry. In the beginning of this episode, we pretty much get all of last week's events through the perspective of Henry and Sam. And what we find out is they want Ellie and Joel's help in escaping from the city. Um, Joel reluctantly agrees. And as events of the episode unfold, which include these two like duos trying to use the tunnels to escape the city, we find out Henry's story and why Kathleen is so obsessed with him. Henry is what they call a collaborator, uh, someone who's been working with Fedra. Um, you know, he, he ends up betraying Kathleen's brother, who sounds like he might have actually been the leader of the resistance at some point. Uh, but he did this to save his own brother, Sam, who had uh, leukemia and desperately needed medicine that only Fedra had. Uh, he by no means is proud of what he's done, but you could also tell that he would do it again if it means saving his brother. Um, mm -hmm. I love this like back and forth between Joel and Henry, and I thought it really kind of like shed some light on the fact that, you know, anyone who's survived this long, um, you know, in this world are operating in shades of gray and probably done a lot of things that they're not too proud of. Like it's never really made clear if Kathleen has ever actually been a good person. But at this point, she's been totally overtaken by her thirst for vengeance. Um, she has absolutely no empathy whatsoever for Henry and Sam. And her speech at the end of the episode really tells you all you need to know about the character. Uh, you know, to just be able to casually talk about like children dying is a pretty good indicator that you're a rotten person, which of course made her death at the hands of a child's clicker even more satisfying at the end. Uh -huh. <laughs> but in turn, while all this is going down and our crew's been cornered by the resistance, um, we get one of the best action set pieces of the season so far, as we see a horde of clickers just emerge from beneath um, the city and absolutely like decimate this militia. Um, Ellie here is just a complete badass in the scene, um, you know, rushing to save Sam and Henry uh, while they're trapped underneath the car. Uh, also, I thought it did a great job of just demonstrating, like, how much trust she has in Joel. Like, knowing that he wasn't gonna allow anything to touch her as he, like, sits in this, like, sniper's nest. Um, you know, this, you know, episode overall, like, made Ellie even more likable to me. As we kind of get to see her actually act like a child through, like, her interactions with Sam, which mm -hmm. I really enjoyed. But this, of course, made the ending even more devastating uh, as we find out that Sam was actually bitten, um, you know, during this melee. As we see Ellie desperately trying to save him with her blood, only to be attacked by him in the morning after he's turned. Um, like, 
I won't lie, like, part of me was like, oh my god, are they gonna totally, like, rise a Skywalker this shit, and, like, Alec can just <laughs> heal people, uh, but then, like, part of me actually wanted it to happen, because I didn't want to see, you know, Sam die and turn into, like, one of these clickers, but, yeah, no, I'm glad they ended up going the route that they did, even though it was absolutely, like, heartbreaking. Even though it meant like witnessing one of the most like heartbreaking scenes of the season so far as like Henry is forced to shoot Sam to save Ellie and then ends up taking his own life, you know, just being completely overcome with grief and, you know, realizing what he just had to do. Um, just some really dark, messed up shit. <laughs> I thought the writers here did a fantastic job of really using like Henry and Sam as like parallels to Joel and Ellie. Joel has to be terrified after losing so much already to have this new purpose and responsibility in the form of Ellie, uh, knowing as they grow closer that he could lose everything all over again. Um, just once again, uh, amazing storytelling. I just hope like next, you know, episode, the show can, you know, stay out of all of my emotions for at least a week. Because um, I don't know if I could handle much more of this shit, man. Oh, man. There's no slowing down. There's no no pausing. All right. They got to keep the ball rolling. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm, I'm like 50 50 on what I liked more. Uh, if I like the game's interpretation of their relationship uh, with uh, Henry and Sam, or if I like the shows more, just because in the game, they're actually much older. You know, uh, Sam is closer to Ellie's age or even a little bit older than her. And then we also have Henry being almost the same age as Joel. And there's kind of like an even closer parallel there. But at the same time, the, the show's version, Henry's, you know, uh, Sam is way more in like, needs henry and there's a there's a lot more like to their to their youth a lot more they seem more in danger i would say here um in mm. the show and it endears you to them a little bit you know yeah. faster uh which i mean it's it to its benefit to yeah, it. it adds way more stakes to it i loved everything we got out of kathleen and the in the camp and everyone getting fucked up um that's you know all brand new shit that they put into this i uh, was i was gonna ask i believe you said that last week mm -hmm. kathleen's not a pre-existing not a pre-existing character She's an original um, character mm -hmm. for this, for the show. Her right-hand man is actually one of the voice actors in the game, but, uh, you know, they're all, they're all doing this fantastic, you know, story crafting, you know, making you care a little bit more about these villains, uh, than you would have if you were just, you know, cause I'm not, I'm not sympathetic while I'm playing this game. I'm just murdering, you know, mm. <laughs> people that I'm moving on. Well, and rightfully so. It's just another mission mm -hmm. half the time, right? So you're just trying to get to the next, you know, scene. Exactly. So this is how you I, unlock I, the sniper rifle. You know, that's. I get it, right? <laughs> But the fact that they could, like, get this great story built around, like, that simple mission mm -hmm. is pretty amazing. Yeah, like, I, I felt like that sequence was probably the closest to, like, in a video game experience that you'd probably get in a show like this. Just because, like, oh, now we're introducing the bigger, badder, you know, zombie out here. The the bloater shows up and stuff like that. Yes. Like, uh, I was going to ask you about that. So 
are there a lot of bloaters in the game? No, it's it's kind of like a, a once in a while, you know, thing. Like if they need a big boss for you to get past, you know, that's the type of thing that you might run into. There's always a mutation somewhere, you know. Because, yeah, like watching that thing rise, you know, from underground uh, was pretty intense, especially since like right afterwards we witness it rip off uh, Kathleen's right hand uh -huh. uh, man's uh, head. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> hopefully they don't cross paths with too many bloaters mm -hmm. in this series. No, I definitely think they, were, they did a great job between the uh, practical and uh, special effects throughout that whole sequence. You know, really making it feel like there was so many of them there without like making it feel unnatural, kind of like World War Z did uh, mm -hmm. with those zombies. Yeah, I like that they moved fast, mm -hmm. but it it felt realistic, um, I guess. Um, they brought in actually a movement specialist, whatever that means, uh, to work with all the clickers. Um, and I think it really paid off in the long run because I know you're the same as me. Like once you see some bad CGI, it totally takes you out of mm -hmm. the scene in the moment. Um, so I'm glad that, you know, they use practical effects and, and they really were able to like hammer home just how imposing and how threatening these creatures are. Um, you know, especially when you, you know, face off against a horde like this, because even like with the militia being heavily armed, it felt like they stood no chance against, you know, these these monsters. Yeah, I definitely think they said it correct in their little post show or behind the th scenes thing uh, where they you know, claimed, you know, this is how humans lost. We wanted to like, you know, really portray that here was showing that there's no chance, you know, either way. Yeah, even the, like, little girl clicker who was in the car with Ellie, who eventually gets her hands on Kathleen, mm. just the way she was moving around was pretty fucking terrifying. <laughs> that head roll? That was uh -huh. great. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so you kind of hinted last week that Henry and Sam weren't, like, a big part of the video game. Are you satisfied with the amount of time they've they got in this series no absolutely um because they come and go pretty much identical you know their storylines aren't that off you know everything pretty much everything that gets added is just the kathleen and all the enemies there stuff so they're pretty much there for like a mission in the video game and yeah. then that's it you kind of move on Maybe like a mission or two, but not okay. like anything crazy. You're just traveling with them for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and I totally like was hook, line, and sinker. Like once, you know, they, you know, were in that hotel or wherever they were staying at the end, you know, after they escaped, the, you know, that scene with the clickers, I thought, okay, well, maybe we're getting another episode, you know, with this, you know, duo mm -hmm. and, you know, we'll then move on. But man... <laughs> That wasn't the case at all. I mean, and you knew as soon as she put her blood up to oh, his, well, like, yes. it wasn't going to work. Once he yeah. reveals that, you know, he's bitten, <laughs> it's like, oh, well, that's that's end game right there. Uh -huh. um, this shit's not going to end well. But at the same time, that still didn't prepare me with just how brutal that scene was going to actually be um, at the end. Well, you, you got you to gotta be prepared. Because it's coming each week. <laughs> Something like this is going to keep happening. All right. Well, it looks like Christian's going to be reviewing this show by himself for now. <laughs> no, but I'm loving this. Um, so far, this series has just been tremendous. Uh, and and like I said last week, I, I'm happy just to have something to look forward to every week. Because at times, you know, some of the series that we end up covering weekly could 
you know, feel like chores, but, but this show is definitely not one of them. But all right, make sure to join us next week for episode six of The Last of Us. And now a quick word from our sponsor, Manscaped. Hey you, got bush? Well, you definitely do if you haven't tried the best products from our sponsor today, Manscaped. Taking control of your bush is important. These products are so good, you're going to be showing pride in your new bush-free yard. It's a fact that you'll have the best-kept nutsack on the cul-de-sac, so save big and be the most hygienic version of yourself by using our discount code 20NerdShow for 20% off plus free shipping at Manscaped.com. Listeners, you know I don't got bush because Manscaped helps keep my rocket raccoon high and tight. Whether you're looking to go bald like an eagle or just in need of a safe trim, Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. Listeners, the grooming package I highly recommend is the Performance Package 4.0. That's because inside the package is the Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is a bush's worst nightmare. This trimmer is designed to reduce grooming accidents and shave hair on loose skin thanks to its ceramic blades and advanced skin-safe technology. No need for night vision goggles, this trimmer has a LED light to allow you to mow the lawn in the dark. It's basic landscaping. When you trim the hedges, the tree stands taller. The second best tool in the performance package is the Weed Whacker. This fine-tuned nose and ear hair trimmer will make sure your nasty nose pubes are under control. Instantly add some pep to your step with the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Spray-On Testy Toner. With a performance package purchase, you get two free gifts, a shed travel bag and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped boxers. They have a bunch of other products on their website to help you maximize your confidence and grooming game. So listeners get 20% off plus free shipping with our code 20NerdShow at Manscaped.com. Kate Bush may be trending at the moment, but your bush needs some help. That's right, so make sure you're running up that hill and get 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped.com by using our code 20NerdShow. It's time to level up your grooming game with the ultimate bushwhacking tools from Manscaped. And now it's time for Christian's Corner. This week in gaming, Xbox revealed that Game Pass is in fact hemorrhaging actual game sales for them. Of course, when a player has the option to try out a game for $15 over, you know, the now $60 to $70 price tag, they're going to probably move towards the subscription instead, you know. Um, Xbox has claimed that the overall life cycle of game sales has dropped significantly over 12 months. This comes after statements made by Xbox Phil Spencer in 2018, where he remarked that Game Pass was having the opposite effect entirely. I feel like uh, in the start of Game Pass, there was probably a more try before you buy mentality. But since the great value of the service has increased over time, Game Pass has just become a more relied on way to play new Xbox titles. Of course, there are always going to be players that want to own a game forever, but now many won't have to you know, be locked into full ownership of a game if they aren't interested in keeping it. I think it all just really comes down to the times we're in. People are more used to these subscriptions as a way to enjoy entertainment overall. 
but does this hurt Xbox's bottom line? It's unclear. I feel like uh, this mostly just hurts the individual studios that are putting their games on the service uh, and probably will lead to many third party studios, you know, being less interested in the service altogether, though. I'm sure it's given, you know, a lot more exposure to indie game studios as well. I just can't imagine the sales benefit being all that great. I personally love Game Pass. It's been a great tool in being able to stream and play more games that I may usually not have a chance to. And, you know, you know, turn me on to games that I haven't checked out before. But with Xbox becoming more open about game sales faltering, I imagine price hikes are going to be coming on the horizon. You know, and this is more just bad news for Xbox as they're still dealing with their, you know, whole Activision Blizzard merger that antitrust regulators are doing all they can to attack. And along with Sony, who keeps pointing out that this may be a monopoly over the games industry. Um, do you use Xbox Game Pass? Let us know on social media at Amazing Nerd Show or at Amazing Nerd Live for all the streaming and gaming side of the show. Personally, I hope it's able to stick it through. Um, I really would hate to lose this service, but you know, I understand if it's cutting into their overall profit, um, the writing might already be on the wall. But enough doom and gloom over Game Pass. Uh, before we move on, I just wanted to give a quick reminder, no streams this weekend, but I do plan on being back on the 25th and sticking to my schedule more than ever. But with that said, let's move on to some wrestling. And, uh... After he passed, I had never grown my beard, never grew my hair, but after seeing cancer take that all from him, I decided for the first time I'm gonna grow my beard on him and grow my hair out. And uh, and that's the look that, you know, we've come to learn and know of Wardlow over the past few years. And Joe knew that. And Joe took that from me. My connection with my father. All right, Christian, it is Wednesday night once again, and it's time to recap AEW Dynamite. Um, I don't know about you, but I thought this was a pretty, like, ho-hum episode. Um, not tons of great matches, especially compared to last week, and not a lot of storyline progression, which is kind of crazy to say because we're only a couple weeks away from the pay-per-view. But, like, Tony Khan booked this thing like we're, like, two months out. So, yeah. um, I don't know. Overall, I was kind of disappointed with this week. You know, especially with the way that they've uh, set up the tag team match that's going to be at the pay-per-view. It feels like we have a long road before we even get to it. And it's it's just a couple weeks away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we had, by the end of the night, we had about four matches announced. Um, you know, and, like, they're all decent storylines, but, like, none of them I'm, like, truly invested in. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that might be part of the problem. It, it feels like, like last minute, we're going to get a bunch of like matches just kind of like thrown at us. And unfortunately, that's been kind of the trend lately with the pay-per-views, um, you know, where before we kind of like saw the writing on the wall, like months out, you know, with AEW shows, not so much anymore. I don't know what's like changed. And I think. Uh, you know, originally it felt like it was, you know, Ring of Honor, like Tony's purchasing the company and really just like jam packing each one of the shows with like two promotions worth the matches um, and angles. Um, but now, like, you know, that's not the case anymore. So I don't know why we're still booking by the seat of our pants, if that makes any sense. 
for me, it feels like we could have used something like a like a winter's coming or something by the end of January, something that they could have built to a little bit to make it a little less stagnant because it just feels like we've been dragging on storylines since last pay-per-view uh, for a while now. Um, I know that's you know what we should be used to by now with how long the pay-per-views are apart, but I feel like usually there's a, a good TV event that makes sense, like brings it together. Yeah, you know, usually these storylines are better paced. Yeah. At least that's how it felt like the first two years of the company. And recently, it seems like Tony has figured out that, you know, he doesn't have to book so far out that, you know, people are still going to end up buying the pay-per-view, um, you know, even if they don't have a full card, you know, mm-hmm. set up, you know, three weeks in advance. At least for me, it's it's it makes it more difficult to get truly like invested in each one of these angles. All right. So with that said, let's go ahead and jump into the card uh, with our first match. After a memoriam graphic for Jerry Jarrett, we got uh, the AEW Atlantic champion, Orange Cassidy teaming up with the acclaimed to go up against, Oh, of course. And daddy ass to go up against Jeff Jarrett's Jay lethal and Satnam Singh and Sanjay Dutt. Yeah, I was absolutely terrified of what Max Caster was going to say to Jeff Jarrett on the mic, you know, before the match started. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, dude, it is way too soon. Um, you know, rest in peace, Jerry Jarrett, uh, you know, huge influence on the business, um, a, a true pioneer. Uh, you know, I mean, Jeff... It, I'm I'm impressed that he was out here wrestling so soon after his father's passing because it, it literally just took place like a mm-hmm. couple days ago. So um, but, you know, everyone deals with grief differently. Uh, but I was definitely like, you know, sitting on pins and needles like, oh, my God, don't say anything truly awful. You know, <laughs> Max Caster. And luckily that didn't happen. Like he actually paid a little respect to Jeff's dad before, you know, Cutting Jeff down, uh, which I'm sure is what Jeff wanted, um, you know, because he's a true heel. So I got to say, like, this match did nothing for me. Um, Usually, like, AEW starts off, like, hot. um, But this felt like a glorified house show match. Um, Too much Gaga for the sake of Gaga. All these, like, ridiculous tag-ins and... I don't know, like, it, it just felt so, like, thrown together last minute. Um, on Rampage, the Acclaim came out and made the save for Cassidy, and I guess that warranted this giant, what, eight-man tag? Um, we did have the guns come out in the middle of the match, and, you know, I thought that they were gonna, like, interfere and maybe, like, get more heat and, you know, cost the Acclaim, you know, the match, but... That didn't happen. Um, this just, at the end of the day, felt like a match for match sake. And I don't know. It, it just did nothing for me. I mean, it weirdly didn't progress anything for the acclaimed. Like, it's they're still at the same point that they were when they walked in, you know? Yeah, I mean, the storyline got pushed uh, forward later on in the show, um, you know, with the announcement of, you know, the pay-per-view match. It almost felt like they would have been better served, though, making that announcement, you know, at the end of the match when, like, we kind of had a little face-off between the guns and the acclaim. Um, 
but it just felt like an afterthought later on in the show. Um, you know what? Why don't we just go ahead and talk about the announcement now? Yeah. Later on, we had a segment with Renee where she was announcing that it was going to be a triple threat for Gunn's new tag team titles. Uh, the two teams that would be added to this match would, of course, have to win two separate battle royals. So the first one would be decided in the first battle royal, which is a revolution battle royal, they said. And the second one is a casino battle royal. Um, and then uh, what's a we revolution had- battle royal? I don't know. They made it sound like it's something they do every year, too, which is I, I have no idea. You know, they did have a four way last year for the tag oh. titles. So I'm wondering, I don't know, maybe they established some like gimmick match that we don't know about. <laughs> um, but yeah, so but they did do a graphic right for the first battle royal, correct? Yes, the Revolution Tag Team Battle Royal, which will have the best friends, Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal, the Lucha Brothers, uh, Butcher and Blade. Uh, we got Tony Nese, Ari Divari, uh Dark Order, and then uh, JAS members. Okay. Oh, uh, you're talking about 2.0? Oh, uh, yes, 2.0. Okay. Yes. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And then they did not announce who would be participating in the other match? No, not yet, at least. Okay, but then during this... Uh, you know, uh, announcement. Uh, the acclaim came out and they uh, invoked their rematch clause, which shouldn't actually be a thing in yeah. AEW. <laughs> I was like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Yes, yes. <laughs> this isn't WWE, guys. Like, that's not a thing. Um, and I hope it's not going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would have been okay with it if it was a situation where, you know. They came out and said because of the way the Ass Boys won the titles, Tony Khan is granting them a rematch. Like that would have been fine, but yeah. you know, I think every you know wrestling fan is basically suffering through like PTSD. You know, when they hear you know that someone's invoking their uh, rematch clause <sighs> because goddamn, I mean that was WWE for a good like decade. Like, you could basically set your watch to that shit. You know, every other fucking pay-per-view was, you know, someone invoking their rematch clause. Um, So, but yeah. Unless they didn't care about that star, and then it would be the Monday after the pay-per-view. Yes, yes. (laughs) Yes, rematch raw, pretty much, right? Uh Uh-huh. Since we know all the teams participating in the first Battle Royal... Who do you think is going to end up going to the pay-per-view to face off against the Ass Boys? I think it probably comes down to either the Lucha Brothers or uh, Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal, because we just know how much Jay Lethal is loved <laughs> at AEW. <laughs> you know, I mean, in fairness, like they do have the pre-existing feud kind of still going on with mm-hmm. the acclaim, whether we like it or not. So I could see them you know being you know in the match but do i want it hell no you know (laughs) um now looking at all the teams that they booked for this first battle royal like how many other teams do they have left for the uh, casino battle royal i mean aw is rich with tag teams i mean we still i mean top flight could technically be a part of it top flight that's Um, a good point blackpool combat club right yeah or private party well, private party. Uh, what's his name is hurt, and uh, oh, okay. I guess you could have Matt Hardy and like Isaiah uh, Cassidy. I don't know if they could bring or, FTR in or not. But. Well, that's the big question mark, right? Is like, what is FTR doing? 
because it, mm-hmm. it would make sense for them to be part of this match. And if that's the case, I feel like they're probably, you know, the favorites to win. Um, knowing that, you know, the last time we saw them, they were suffering a loss to the ass boys. But we just don't know what their contract status is currently. The rumor is, according to Dax, that their contracts are up in April. Um, if that's true, I wouldn't be surprised if Tony decides to just kind of sit them until, like, they can rene- renegotiate. Just not wanting to, like, you know, feature them on TV too heavily. Um, but on the other side of the coin, traditionally, bookers, you know, will milk talent on their way out for all they're worth. So, you know, maybe he thinks that FTR will grab a few more, like, pay-per-view buys and, you know, wants to put them in this match. Um, you know, Dax was dealing with some injuries, so, you know, that also has to factor in whether or not he's actually healthy. Uh, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see until that, like, Casino Battle Royal. Which I I still don't even know what the stipulations of that match is. And we're like, you know, what, almost four years deep into AEW, uh-huh. right? It's like one of their signature matches. I'm still like, I, I don't know. Is is that the one with the different card-like uh, coats or whatever they used to do? I feel like it it will be, but I, I hate that stipulation. No. So I'm hoping it's just not. No, me too. <laughs> me too. So... But yeah, should be interesting. Um, I'm glad that it's not just a straight up rematch between the Acclaim and the Guns. Because uh, I wasn't thrilled with their first match. Um, and I I, I I, don't know. Like for me, it just doesn't feel like pay-per-view worthy. And I would just like to see more teams in the mix for those titles at this point. I mean, hell, give them to top flight. You know, they've been pushed heavily. They've been really shining lately as a tag team. I would be all for them getting those titles. It could be a total like dark horse win. I mean, I could see them having the titles uh, within the next year or so, but um, I don't feel like they'll make it to this pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, we know they have, have a uh, trios match on Rampage. Mm-hmm. Um, no doubt they're probably going to end up losing it, but um, it, it does feel like Tony's like strongly behind them right now. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if they're not one of the teams. Um, getting the t- the title shot. After our opener, we had a video package from Brian Danielson, you know, pretty much saying that MJF isn't ready for the boogeyman. I thought this was a solid promo. I love, like, super intense, you know, Brian. Um, you know, I-, I thought this did what it needed to do to hype up the match. It was also followed up by a match between uh, Preston Vance, Roosh, and Claudio and Moxley, where it felt like the announced team was trying to make up for the fact that they didn't show anything from last week about them. But uh, it-, it didn't feel yeah, you know, like I, it made sense. I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, what you're referring to is the clip they showed on Rampage, where I guess during the commercial break on Dynamite... Uh, the Blackpool Combat Club came out and made the save for Brian, and they got into it with Roosh, um, you know, and his little crew. Uh, I have no idea why they didn't actually show that on Dynamite and why they chose yeah. to shoot that during the commercial break. <laughs> uh, seems really bizarre. And, like, the clip that they showed on Rampage was super short. Now, I just assumed they played that before the match you know tonight and i just missed it but you're saying that that's not the case at all no they they didn't show it at all huh 
yeah. So, I mean, as a viewer, you're probably like, why is this match even happening? Not that, like, you need a reason for every match to happen, but, uh-huh. you know, like, we were complaining about it last week. That, you know, it was weird that the Blackpool Combat Club didn't come out and save Brian, but apparently they did. AEW just forgot to show it. <laughs> so, just a really weird choice. It was definitely a hard-hitting affair. Um, You know, Moxley and Roosh beat the crap out of each other. Um. Vance held his own for the most part in this match. Um, You know, we were talking about this off mic. I was wondering if this was like the first time he's ever bladed in a match. Because it, I don't know, after he, you know, did the deed. He, I don't know, he was like covering up his head. Did you catch this? Like it felt really weird. (laughs) Like Claudio was swinging him, right? Doing the big swing and like. Vance kept on putting his hand over his head to the point where he was like crooked in the swing, but Claudio is such a strong fucker, he was still able to like hold him up and uh-huh. swing him. And then even after like the swing, like Vance was still holding his head. And I don't know if he like freaked out, like maybe he thought he cut himself too deep or something like that. But I was like screaming at the TV, like, dude, you're supposed to show off what <laughs> your your handiwork here. What are you doing? <laughs> That's the whole point of blading. It was really bizarre. How how funny would it have been if he got the blade stuck in there, though? Oh, God. I hope that's that's what he was trying to do. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he did a great job. He was dripping with blood. And we finally Mm. got the money shot later on in the match where you, you know, got to see it. But I was like, find the camera. Like, you know, show it off. Don't hide the shit. Like. That's not the point at all. As I said last week, we like our violence here on the Amazing Well, I mean, if you're going to fucking blade, (laughs) what are you doing? You don't hide it. (laughs) But at the end of this match backstage, we had Hangman being attacked by Butcher and Blade and uh, Kip Sabin, who he was going to be facing later on in the night. Yeah, Hangman had been watching the match in the back uh, throughout, and we got, like, shots here and there. Uh, After this, we had Jim Ross having his sit-down with Wardlow, where Wardlow told, you know, this very impassioned speech about, you know, uh, growing up with his father and, you know, trying to model himself after his father and, you know, even his look to his hair. And apparently, I guess he had told that to Joe and Joe decided to cut his hair. Uh. (laughs) Yeah, his father passed away uh, from cancer. But Mm. like, I guess, like to keep his memory alive, he kind of uh, grew out his hair like his father and his beard. Um, yeah, and like you said, he shared the story with Joe, and that's why Joe, like a fucking cold-hearted bastard, cut his hair um, at the end of their match. So I thought this was really well done up to a certain point. Like, I thought Wardlow's delivery of the story about his dad was great, but then, like, he went into, like, wrestler mode at the end when he started mm-hmm. to threaten uh, Joe. And I think I would have, like, much rather have him almost go, like, Jake the Snake here and just, like, you know, matter-of-factly, you know, tell Joe that, you know, he's coming for him. But instead, he kind of cut, like, your stereotypical, like, color-by-number wrestling promo that, you know, you hear out of every other wrestler's mouth um, week in and week out. So... Um, he, yeah, it was very stock. Yeah, he didn't stick the landing. Um, but like everything before that, I thought was fantastic. 
and really like added a lot of like I don't know context to this feud. Hopefully, he gets a a match or something in the next two weeks. That's so. what I'm hoping. You know, I, I feel like AEW forgets to do that sometimes. Like you need to see, like for me at least, like on the way to the big match, I want to see the wrestler in the ring to be reminded, like what a badass they are. Um, mm-hmm. So, but for some reason, I don't know. That's not how AEW books all the time. Like, allow Wardlow to get some of his shine back, especially since the last time we saw him in a match, he was, you know, getting defeated by Joe and then getting his hair cut. So I'd like to see him, like, destroy someone in the ring, like, one or two times um, before the big pay-per-view match. Up next, we had Mark Briscoe's second match in AEW as he defeated Josh Woods, um, who had uh, Mark Sterling and Ari Davari and Tony Nese at his side. Yeah, this was all set up on Rampage with uh, Josh Woods making the challenge after uh, Briscoe turned down Mark Sterling's uh, proposition uh, for him to join their group. Um, I can't imagine that. Yes, yes. No <laughs> one, no one could. <laughs> uh, I, I like this match a lot. I like Josh Woods a lot. I think he's a really good wrestler. He did hold the title in uh, Ring of Honor. So... Um, you know, maybe, you know, once that brand starts and I guess they do have TV tapings set soon, um, I believe in March. So but like once Ring of Honor like really starts, hopefully Josh Woods can, you know, get a push, you know, on that brand, at least if they're not going to use him in AEW, because he's definitely talented. Um, I, but as for the match, I thought this was great. Um you know, I think once again, like it introduced a whole new audience to Mark Briscoe. Um, and afterwards, I love the fact that they announced that, you know, Mark Briscoe is officially all elite. Um, you know, so, I mean, we knew obviously before that he was underneath an ROH contract, but now it sounds like they're going to be featuring him also on AWTV. I think it's absolutely like a long time coming and you know, really well deserved. You know, it's disappointing circumstances to get here, but you know, we're happy to have him a part of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. After that, we had Renee sit down with Adam Cole where, um, you know, he was talking about how he's excited to be back in wrestling, but, uh, didn't really give us a, a full clue of who he'll be fighting in the, in the near future, or if he'll be even at revolution, to be honest. Yes. Um, like most of the show, we barely got any like story progression, when it came to Adam Cole and exactly what the hell's going on with him, uh, as far as like, you know, him returning to the ring. Uh, you know, he came out, what, a month ago and, you know, made the big announcement that he was back. And since then, we've had a couple promos, a uh, few of which seem like they're teasing that he would be having a match at uh, Revolution. But now it's kind of weird. It feels like they're they're backpedaling a little um so maybe he wasn't actually cleared when he made his big return i don't know if they had him go out there and made the announcement prematurely um but at the same time concussions are a tricky thing so Mm -hmm. you know if some of his symptoms came back while he was like training to get back in the ring it is what it is obviously for his health's sake we don't want him coming back too soon so you know take your time 
Um, but it is a little frustrating. <laughs> I mean, that's the only thing I could think of is that possibly there was symptoms that returned. But because, yeah, because he seemed ready to go a month ago. So I have no yeah, idea. I mean, a lot of people start speculating that maybe he's going to be facing off against Jay White uh, since that's actually the last, uh, you know, match he had in AEW was that uh, Forbidden Door match, you know, that featured mm-hmm. Jay White. Um, and, you know, they had, you know, kind of a mini feud brewing there with Jay White, like, betraying him. Um, you know, and we know that, like, you know, Jay White is officially done with New Japan as of, like, I believe this weekend. Uh, a lot of the rumors are suggesting that he could be headed to WWE. Um, but who's to say he doesn't make a pit stop at AEW before that? So, We'll see. We'll see what happens. After this, we had a you know nuclear heat crowd for MJF as he stood in the ring, uh, pretty much you know claiming that if you want to be the best in the world, you got to have the title. Um, he brought out Christopher Daniels, a longtime rival of uh, Brian, um, and Daniels pretty much you know told everyone, "Hey, he's paying me to be out here uh, to discourage uh, you know you guys for A and Brian," uh, but. He has nothing bad to say about him. Also, what happened to Daniel's eye? That happened like over a year ago, Christian. <laughs> I don't remember yes. seeing him like so, this. So, <laughs> yeah, um, his eye's pretty terrifying. Um, he can see out of it fine. He got injured in a match. I think it's the last match he had with Kazarian, actually. So it might have been okay. over a year. I could be wrong, though. Um, and his eye's been like that ever since. Um, it, it's kind of badass. It does look awesome, <laughs> and it makes me question whether or not it's actually legit. And you know, like because he could, it could be a contact lens. You think he's just putting in a contact? It, he lens? could be. So I have no idea because I was like, dude, like you need to take care of that shit. Like, what the fuck's going on with your eye? He said in interviews that you know it's actually happened before. Something similar like that has happened before with his eye, and it hmm. eventually did clear up. But, like, we're going on well over a year now, so it is a little worrisome. But he says he can see out of it fine, so it is what it is. Okay. Um, well, hopefully he can still see out of it after MJF attacked him. Yes. Uh, Which we all saw coming. Brought him down to the mat. Yeah. Uh, Brian then ran out. I, I figured Brian just wasn't going to be on today's show after the promo he did earlier mm-hmm. on the video package. Because I just figured, you know, he would have came out a little bit sooner <laughs> to, you know, help out. Daniels, but it's whatever. um all in all i thought this was fine but i did feel like it went on a little too long um it was a little weird having daniels all of a sudden inserted in the storyline um but it is what it is i get what they're going for at least you know having someone from you know brian's past come out um i almost wish they would have had at least like one more match for brian to go through you know and win to you know be able to face off against you know mjf like the right to face off against mjf because i was really enjoying you know watching brian like wrestle all these dream matches against people that you know he obviously wanted to elevate um mm-hmm. now it just almost feel like, feels like they're treading water you know until the pay-per-view which is fine since it's only a couple weeks away but you know i don't know it just went on a little too long for me at the end of the day i guess 
Well, yeah, by the time he did his whole, you know, name stick, I thought he was leaving. And then out of nowhere, he's like, now Christopher Daniels. It's like, what? (laughs) And then Daniels, like, cut, like, a full promo and everything like that. Uh (laughs) I'm just waiting for MJF to jump him. And, you know, he he doesn't, which was weird. Like, Daniels actually, like, threw the first punch. So, I don't know. Um, After this, we had a backstage pack video package, whatever you want to call it, where the guns were celebrating their tag team victories. Um, and also let us know that they've only had 10 televised matches, which I didn't realize, uh, that they've only had 10 matches so far in AEW. Yeah, I mean, 10 matches televised and, like, a thousand matches on Dark and Elevation. Because I believe at one point, weren't they, like, the tag team with the most wins or something like that when they were actually keeping track of those things? I wouldn't Or maybe it was the trios with the most wins. Something like that. They had a ridiculous record, whatever it was. So, um, but yeah, no, it is what it is. It is what it is. Hopefully their reign doesn't last too long. I I wouldn't be surprised, though, if they don't walk out of the pay-per-view still champs. After this, we had Jungle Boy Jack Perry defeating our six-man champion, Brian Cage. So I think Cage is still in contract talks with AEW. He's busting his ass out there and, like, giving us great matches, it just sucks that like he never wins um, mm-hmm. because it like, I don't know, it, it becomes like diminishing returns after a while. Like you see his name on a card and at this point you almost kind of expect him to lose, which is too bad. Um, I honestly, with the way he's been performing over the last like six months, like I kind of hope they do re-sign him. And I definitely wasn't singing that tune, you know, a year ago. So, um, but you can't just keep on beating him like this. (laughs) Like, I get it. Like, he's going against Jungle Boy and, you know, you're setting up Jungle Boy for something big, you know, because we'll talk about it in a little bit. Christian Cage made his return. Um, But, I mean, you could have had Jungle Boy beat someone else, right? Um, But, yeah. but Especially since they've fought before, you know, not that long ago. Yes, and uh, Cage lost before. So, um, Mm yeah. But it, I thought it was a great match. I really did. Um, so afterwards, Christian Cage's music hits. Jungle Boy runs up the ramp. Christian fucking maces Jungle Boy, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, and then reveals that, you know, he's finally healed from his injury. Um, and I'm guessing we're going to be getting a match between these two at the pay-per-view. I mean, makes sense, unless they want to push it No, <laughs> please don't. <laughs> now, do you think Luchasaurus interferes somehow? Uh, in the match? He, he has uh, been I... out with an injury, and I guess he's dealing with some kind of issue with his mask. Like, there's a copyright suit against him right now. Really? Yes. <laughs> so, um, maybe he comes back with a different look. Um, I don't know. Demasked. Yeah, I maybe? would be fine if like the storyline has moved past Luchasaurus, honestly. So um, I'd mm. rather just have this be like a one on one match between, you know, Jack and uh, Christian. Up next, we had a backstage moment with the elites talking with A.R. Fox and Top Flight. Uh, everyone's holding basketballs for some reason. Oh, it, it's uh, because they're doing the cross promotion <laughs> thing for the NBA uh, All-Star Game. 
that's why. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. I was wondering why they're still playing the music after the seven series yeah. ended. I was like, why? Why is this happening? Yeah, no, that's that's exactly why. Because they mentioned the All Star Game, I believe, in gotcha. the promo somewhere. So, um, yeah. So basically, uh, Ar Fox and Top Flight show up. They make a challenge again to uh, the elite. The elite accepts, and it looks like that's going to probably end up being the opening match of Rampage this week. I think, you know, I got to give credit where credit's deserved. I'm glad that, like, on Rampage now, we're getting these kind of matches. Because there was a long period of time that it felt like Tony was booking it like it was AEW Dark. Just, you know, it just happened to be televised. (laughs) Um, So he's at least you know, giving us storylines on Rampage now and we're getting these kind of like high caliber matches. And I mean, they put on a great show last week and I'm sure they'll do it again, you know, on Friday. So, well, don't forget something ominous is on its way as uh, the House of Black had a quick image appear during this promo. So I've got mixed feelings about this. Like, I'm glad that we finally found out like who the elite's next opponent's going to be. I just hope they don't fucking like Bray Wyatt this shit, man. Like, I, I I don't know if it's because I've been watching more WWE, but I'm just done with all the spooky shit at this point. <laughs> You've so, never been a fan of spooky I characters, though. I have been, but I just want them to be intimidating badasses. Like, I don't need the supernatural shit and the weird, like, video flashing in the middle of, like, promos and, like, no one acknowledging it. Um... You know, because the announcers didn't even say a thing about it, right? No. Yes. They didn't acknowledge it. um, I just kind of wish they would have, like, shown up at the end of the trios match on Rampage and beat the shit out of the Elite. Like, that's how I would have started this feud. You know me, I don't mind if there's just, like, a guy or something in the background. I I always love that shit. (laughs) Yeah, that's okay. Like, I'm just always scared that it's going to go a little too far. And I feel Uh like... Tony's had that tendency with the House of Black. I mean, you remember how, like, drawn out the whole Julia Hart thing was. Um, And then, like, how many times, you know, we got, like, the lights off, lights on shit, like, during their matches, Uh like, over and over again. So hopefully he's gotten that out of his system and, you know, we can just kind of tell, like, a straight story. Because I also... I don't know. I feel like it's going to be such a weird dynamic between the Elite and House of Black because... I just have a hard time seeing the elite take like all of the House of Black antics seriously. You know they're just gonna be like doing wild reactions to just everything happening constantly. See, I'm worried that's that's what's gonna happen on like you know BTE, um, and I think that's gonna be to the detriment of like the storyline if they do shit like that. Because with the House of Black, like the gimmick doesn't really work if their opponents don't sell it. So if the lead aren't taking it seriously and they're overreacting to shit, then I feel like, I don't know, you're going to end up watering down the House of Black. Whatever they do can't be worse than Uncle Howdy totally missing his oh, dive. Oh, no, 100%. <laughs> as long as, like, their match isn't sponsored by Mountain Dew, I'm sure they'll be fine. <laughs> I need to get more of that Mountain Dew still before it goes oh, out of dude, stock. <laughs> Mountain Dew hit a home run. By sponsoring that match, so many people online have been, like, purchasing Mountain Dew Black. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of posts of people, like, showing it off, like, during their uh, Royal Rumble parties and shit like that. 
So I mean, it was it was a smart marketing. Um, That's crazy. I was drinking it too. See? <laughs> it was a real smart like marketing like ploy by Mountain Dew. So and I, the, I, I the rumor is there's going to be like a cinnamon toast crunch uh, match oh, God. at WrestleMania. <laughs> But it needs to be like the Orange Cassidy uh, Chris Jericho match where they have to like dump each other in Something cereal. ridiculous. I'm sure it'll like involve like the Miz or um, like New Day somehow. I mean, remember it was the Miz who got attacked by all those zombies. Um, yeah. and that w- w- the, it was Batista's movie, right? They were promoting Batista's yeah, movie, uh, Army of the Dead or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> and then uh, the Miz ended up getting hurt in that match. <laughs> Oh, my God. Zombies are no uh-huh. joke, huh? Apparently. Um, but, yeah. Up next, we had Hangman Adam Page defeating Kip Saban after being attacked earlier in the night. I've really been enjoying Kip Saban um, as a character recently. I think he's kind of, like, come into his own and, you know, figured out exactly who he is. Um, I like having him, like, team up with Butcher and the Blade. Um, I'd like to see them actually get involved in like the trios division. Um, I, I think they just have good chemistry together um, and they look totally like badass, <laughs> like as a stable. So, um, but I think the real story of this match is what happened afterwards, right? Yeah. With uh, Moxley coming to the ring with Claudio and Wheeler. Yeah. At hand. Confronting Hangman. Um, it's very heelish approach for moxley here Mm -hmm. um i'm surprised that he also doesn't want the rematch um especially since like you know before their last match he was talking about how he was going to basically get revenge on hangman for knocking him out but then to win the match by kind of a fluke pin um almost seems like out of character for moxley that he wouldn't want like another go at hangman to get like you know the job done, but you know it. I guess it makes sense storyline wise. I mean, we got to where we needed to go. Um, they did announce after the Dark Order showed up, and you know, kind of got you know Hangman's back, which you know he absolutely did not want. Um, he was like furious over. It was like, dude, calm down. What the hell is your problem? <laughs> we had Moxley uh, challenge Hangman to a Texas Death Match, which I think we kind of saw the writing in the wall. Um, mm-hmm. You know, last week that's probably where they're headed. I will say I did like all the Dark Order stuff. Um, I thought Uno did a fantastic job of like pie facing Moxley, and I liked Moxley like almost like no selling it. And like literally like looking <laughs> around Uno and making the challenge. Um, mm-hmm. Now we do know that Moxley is going to face off against Uno next week where I'm sure Moxley is going to absolutely murder him, um, you know, which is probably why Hangman didn't want the Dark Order to get involved, you know, trying to like, you know, protect his friends. Um I did like seeing the side of Dark Order. I think it's something that they've needed for a long time. And I'm hoping that we get more of this, you know, even if it ends up resulting in like a heel turn for the group. um, I I don't think that'd be a bad thing. We we keep waiting for it, but I don't know if it's going to (laughs) happen. Well, I mean, they should be kind of insulted by the fact that like Hangman feels like he needs to protect them. And that he's mm. almost embarrassed to be seen with them. That's what it kind of felt like to me. Uh, so, I, I mean, maybe they do eventually turn on him. I mean, it, at least it's something different for the team. 
Tony Schiavone is backstage with Jericho Appreciation Society, where Jericho said that Ricky Starks won't be getting his rematch after calling Starks an absolute fraud. So I promised myself this week that I wouldn't go into a tirade about this whole storyline between Starks and JAS. Um, so all I'm going to say was this was pretty cut and dry as far as a promo goes. And... Um, I don't know. Uh, I know this set up a match between um, Starks and Garcia, right? On Rampage. So that mm-hmm. should be a good match. But I think we all can kind of see where this is headed. Somehow Starks is going to end up getting that match with Jericho at the pay-per-view, which hopefully that's the last of it. We also got another backstage moment with the firm. This time, Ethan Page pretty much calling out Hook uh, to be suspended for his actions against uh, good old Stokely after he got injured a little bit. Um, well, supposedly we'll injured. If, <laughs> supposedly, <laughs> yes. Um, we'll see if this leads to a match. Yeah, um, Hook is, I guess, suspended uh, pending investigation. Um, so yeah. my guess is after Stokely no sell the fist bumped his bad wrist. Um, most likely this will end up being a match between Page and Hook on Zero Hour. Hook needs to show up at Stokely's house, you know, Triple H style and take him out. All right. Sure. Christian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last but not least, we had the main event of the evening, which was Ruby Soho defeating Tony Storm and Dr. Britt Baker. Yeah, I thought this match was too cute for its own good, if that makes any sense. Like, they were really playing up the whole, like, you know, I'm on on anyone's side storyline with Ruby throughout the match. Like, she was trying to avoid looking like she was choosing a side um, instead of just beating the shit out of both of them. Um, you could say her destination was I unknown. hate you. Uh <laughs> jesus christ um but yeah no it it just i don't know that it at times too it felt like it was too busy like they were kind of going through the motions um there was no flow to the match if that makes any sense and then to top things off we have soraya like spray painting tony's ass um so she can do her like you know hip bump in the corner to brit like i was like what is what's happening <laughs> toxic fumes on top of a hip and attack? it didn't like know. it didn't like translate no. well at all on camera because i'm guessing they're trying to do it as like it would end up like you know stamping the paint on her face or something i'm guessing that's what they're trying to go for but it didn't no. really work whatsoever <laughs> it's just like one of those matches where it felt overbooked and you could like see them thinking about what they were going to do next it almost felt like they were wrestling underwater if that makes any sense no i mean it was very overbooked from like the opening of the match i mean let's say uh so what was it soraya and tony storm pulled a random person out of the crowd to attack just <laughs> yeah from the get-go i mean it, it was it was a lot. There was a lot going on. Like you would think like they would both be suspended right then and uh-huh. there, right? <laughs> Cause that's a huge fucking like lawsuit waiting to happen. So uh sure. Uh I don't know, man. Like I I was really excited about this angle when it started. 
And they've done nothing to warrant that excitement to this point. I mean, it's just bad pacing right now. That's the main thing. Like, if there was more going on at the front, I feel like... But are you even buying anything like Soraya and Tony are doing? Like, it feels so fucking, like, cheesy and lame. I don't know. Like, the whole L thing. Uh, like it, it is something I would expect from, like, NXT 2.0, but I don't know. Yes, that's what it feels like to me. You know, something that you would see on 2.0. Um, it's just not working, you know, um, and like it, it's it's way too drawn out. Felt like they were going somewhere with Sheeta, but then I guess supposedly she's hurt, um, but they haven't even mentioned that. So it just feels like that just kind of got lo- lost in the shuffle. And don't get me wrong, like I'm happy that Ruby's getting so much focus on her right now. And has been really, like, given a chance to, like, shine. But the whole story with Ruby feels like a really, like, lame version of, like, Sting in the NWO in, like, 1997. Um, You know, where the NWO and WCW are, like, battling for Sting's soul. Um, But, yeah, just not nearly as cool. Right? (laughs) (laughs) And then at the end of the night, like we're back at the same place we were before they did tease that ruby um has her sights on hater's belt she did glance at it um when hater was in the ring and then actually made the belt motion kind of um so i wouldn't be surprised if ruby's not in line for a title shot at the pay-per-view but i'm guessing that like storm or soraya will also be involved in that match yeah, it definitely couldn't be something cut and dry with everything that's been going on. Yeah, it's just so convoluted. Mm-hmm. It really is. Um, and it's just not where I expected the storyline to be headed. Um, I don't know, just disappointing overall. Here's to hoping that they find a way to like salvage it, because it, it does feel like such a lost opportunity. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think for the show in general, I just wish we had had one more Brian match before uh going into the pay-per-view that's what i was saying before like it definitely felt like the show was missing something i mean last week we weren't necessarily too thrilled with all the storylines outside of the ring but at least we had like three fantastic matches to hang our hats on like you know at the end of the night where you know this week that wasn't really the case um and with like the lack of like you know storyline movement it just felt like you know, like what I said before, just a really like, I don't know, like paint by number AEW Dynamite. Um, and they've been on a roll lately. I'm not sure why they chose to end Brian's, you know, uh, gauntlet challenge, you know, his quest to get to, you know, MJF so early. It feels like they could have gone like another week or mm-hmm. so. Um, you know, before he earned the match and it would have been okay. Not that he doesn't deserve a break before doing an Iron Man match in a couple weeks, but <laughs> Brian's a fucking stallion. Uh. He could he could have, you know, done it with the week's rest. He would have been okay. <laughs> and goddamn it, we're selfish wrestling uh-huh. fans, so <laughs> But it really was such a great run where we gotta see so many fantastic matches and matchups, you know, we hadn't even thought of. Um it, it it did feel like it kind of like ended prematurely. But you know what's not ending prematurely? This show, Christian? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, make sure to join us next week as we talk some more AEW Dynamite. And hey, maybe even a little Elimination Chamber. Yeah, maybe. 
Well, I will at least. Yeah. <laughs> well, that does it for this week. As a friendly reminder, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're there, leave a five-star review. It really helps new listeners to find the podcast and for us to continue to grow. Also, if you like the stories from this week's episode and want to keep up to date with the show, follow us on social media at Amazing Nerd Show or stop by TheAmazingNerdShow.com. And hey, to support the show further and get additional weekly content, you can subscribe to us now on Patreon. Just follow the link in the show notes. Also, if you want to rep some Nerd Show swag, you can head over to TeePublic.com to find t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional Nerd Show swag as long as you live in the United States. All right, make sure to join us next week as we talk all the latest news and rumors in nerd culture and whatever's going on in the world of wrestling. My name's Christian. And my name's David. And that was The Amazing Nerd Show. I'm not going to kill you. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to tell all your friends about me. What are you? I'm Batman. Ah!